my message today is a shepherd's heart. Um, a lot going on still in the world today. With so many polarizing events taking place in our country at the same time, it's often difficult to know which event we should be focusing on right now. Here in Roscommon, Michigan, for the most part, people are happy and encouraged to see area businesses and events opened up again. More and more churches are holding live services and online schools are done for the summer. I know across, across the state I heard a loud amen from the kids and parents. <laughs> Yet there still remains great division in society with politics, the economy, race, and health. They all serve as flashpoints for discussion and often outright anger. As a growing number of people and organizations take the courageous step of admitting they have made mistakes in the past and addressing a variety of issues, others are flat out refusing to acknowledge any wrong steps. But an even more disturbing action is beginning to take place as their stubbornness is leading some to mock and insult those who have had a change of heart and are now looking to make amends, actually chastising people for their personal reflections and their repentance. Obviously, the enemy is having a field day in our society with so many people sowing discord and picking sides and stirring up strife. But my question today is, where is the church during all of this? Where is the body of Christ? Remember, Jesus did not leave us as orphans, but sent the Holy Spirit into the world that through us we might exemplify and magnify the love and forgiveness and hope for the world. But is our voice being drowned out by the opposition at this time? With too many Christians staying silent and allowing the media to lead the discussion, it is time that we stand up and allow the Holy Spirit to lead through us with boldness. That's why the Holy Spirit came was to lead with boldness. Not just think about it or talk about it in our churches and our circles, but to go lead with boldness, with the love of Jesus. Therefore, let us tune, tune out the voices of division for a moment and tune into the great unifier, Jesus Christ our Lord. We're going to take a look in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 and a couple parables, and they're very familiar, but sometimes we read over familiar parables, we miss the truth that God has planted there for a long time. And I believe God wants to give us this word for this day. Luke 15, verse 1 says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Him to hear Him. Speaking of Jesus. Notice who is drawing near to Jesus. Who is, who is coming closer to hear Him. It wasn't the religious people the teachers of the law, or the ruling elite. It was people who were aware of their condition, who were searching for something more. Now, there's a lot of people out there searching for something more. They might not know what they're searching for yet, and they're not going to know unless we're out there to point them to the way, but there are people who are searching for something more. But to those who were prideful and overly confident, they remained closed-minded and hard-hearted, and they stood in judgment. These attributes create an open door for the enemy to speak through our flesh and to dictate our words and our thoughts and our actions if we do that. But to those who were prideful, they missed it. 
They wanted to stand in judgment. That's the enemy speaking through them. Luke 15, verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man, speaking of Jesus, this man receives sinners and eats with them. I'm going to tell you that the devil will always try to make you compare yourself with someone else. He will try to persuade you into thinking that you are better than the person next to you. And if that line of thinking doesn't work on you, he'll come at it from a different angle and will use your words to degrade another person, forcing you to think that another person is lesser than you. Either you pump yourself up or you push your neighbor down. That is the enemy's calling card. But why does the enemy try so hard to do this? What is his purpose? He wants to get you to a place of contentment where you think you're okay and you don't need to change. He convinces you that your perspective is fine. You're not perfect, but it's fine. He convinces you that your your motivations are acceptable and that you're doing okay. The reason why this push towards contentment is so dangerous is because it interferes with one of God's greatest promises. Philippians 1, verse 6. You're going to see in your bulletin, we've gone back to doing our weekly memory verse, and this is the very first one for this year. Philippians 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We receive all of God's promises by faith. So by faith, we stay in His hand. And we trust that He will complete the work that is needed in all of us. This work of God completing us is what is known as the sanctification process, where God continues continues day by day as we submit to Him, He continues to make us more and more like Jesus. However, if we think we don't need to change, we become the ones that delay or affect the sanctification process negatively, not God. God is faithful as long as we submit to Him and are willing to look at ourselves and are willing to change. And if we don't become more like God, we remain incomplete. We stray from His will, and we become more susceptible to all the schemes of the enemy who seeks to devour us, our souls, and our relationships with others. That's what's going on in the world right now. It's not about a movement. It's what the enemy is working through people to bring division. That's his calling card. But we are the body of Christ. We have to have an answer that's loud enough that can be spoken over the voices of division in this world. We are warned many times in Scripture to remain humble and open to God for conviction and change so that we can be repurposed for His will. Therefore, we must be ever discerning when we come across people who refuse to admit wrong, refuse to accept responsibility, Refuse to repent and ask for forgiveness. And go to great lengths to convince others that they are better than them and don't need to change. And when they fail to convince people of their biased self-assessment, they turn to mocking others and putting them down and falsely accusing them and trying to call them out in public. This is exactly what the Pharisees And the teachers of the law did to the outcasts and to the marginalized people of society. In fact, this is exactly what they did to Jesus Himself before they crucified Him. While they are led by their pride, we must be led by our humility. 
That's what Jesus did as our Good Shepherd. We must be open to consider that our perspectives may be wrong, that our motivations may be tainted, and that our words and actions may be doing more tearing down than building up or edifying others. In fact, how you come to God, whether or not it tells whether or not you are willing to commit to Him and commit to the sanctification process. Let me show you something in Habakkuk, who was a prophet. Habakkuk 2, verse 1. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what He will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. You see, many people are willing to stand on their watch and put themselves on the rampart or out in public. Many are willing to go to God in prayer to see what God will say to them. However, very few people are willing to go to God like Habakkuk did. Very few people are willing to go to God with the purpose of being corrected, as he declares here. We must be careful not to take a thought to God saying that we are looking for confirmation, but really just trying to convince ourselves that God, that God is at peace with our intentions. Because then we leave our prayer time wrongly assuming that God has blessed our our ideas or our decisions to do something. Too many people fall into this trap because of their pride in not wanting to be corrected. If we're honest, we all have those temptations. We don't want to be corrected. But the only way to walk in God's blessings is to go to Him expecting Him to correct us. Not to smack us across the head, but to just tweak our perspective or to, or to change something in our thoughts or even, do a, even to do a completely overhaul in our thinking. Yet this takes humility and trust to go to God in this way. But it is the only way to be transformed and to renew our minds. It is how we die to ourselves so the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead can dwell freely in us and resurrect our hearts and minds to serve the living God. As we look at our nation, so deeply divided today, so much at odds with one another, so out of touch with those who are crying out in pain, we must be willing to allow God to change us, to allow God to correct us, and to renew His purposes for the earth. We're not to use the world, what's going on in the world as the barometer. We're supposed to use God and the Bible. Too many people move to the emotions and the flows and what's going on. That's not our barometer. It's God and God does not change. He's the one that we look to. He's the one that we need to continue to look to. And the fact of the matter is, too many people have started to look to the world and balance their change of what's going on in the world instead of looking to God. Therefore, as we dive into a great teaching by Jesus, would you say that you are doing okay right now? Or would you be bold enough to say, change my heart, O God. Begin with me. I want to be like you. Change me. Luke 15, verse 3. So Jesus spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? There are several aspects of this popular parable. Of course, we understand the emphasis on the shepherd who seeks out those who are lost and in need of him. 
But I'd like to draw our attention to a few other perspectives in this lesson. First, let us not forget that the one lost sheep already belongs with the other 99. We know this because Jesus says the man had a hundred sheep. He's not just adding a new one. He had a hundred sheep. This means that the one had already come to the Lord. The sheep had already been part of the flock. This one sheep had most likely come to the fold in the very same way that most of the other sheep came to the shepherd. But for some reason, this one sheep finds himself lost right now. The story doesn't give a reason why this sheep is lost, just that it is separated from the rest of the flock. My guess is you know people who are separated from the rest of the flock, who had been with the flock, but for whatever reason, no judgment, for whatever reason they find themselves separated from the rest of the flock. Maybe you yourself, like, like ourselves, have been there before. And you know what that feels like. The fact of the matter is that there are many reasons why we get separated from the flock. Sometimes it's our own choice that keeps us out in the wilderness. Other times we grow tired and lose our way as we wander away from the flock. But there are also many times where we are wounded by others. And sad to say, we are wounded by other Christians. Unfairly judged. Labeled and treated as outcasts or marginalized by society and cultural biases. Regardless of why Christians become lost, separated, or scattered, it makes no difference to Jesus, our Good Shepherd. He doesn't get caught up in why they're lost. That's why that's not part of the parable. He simply knows that the most important thing is to bring His flock back together again. He makes it a priority to go after any and all sheep who are part of the flock to which they belong, who are not part of the flock right now, to which have been called and divinely placed into the flock, to which they are just as integral a member as any part of the flock. And yet when Jesus left the 99 to go after the one, we need to understand the truth that often goes overlooked. The one lost sheep was not more important than the other 99. It was just the one who Jesus was reaching out to at the moment because it was lost. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God looks down and He doesn't want anyone to perish. At all. The message is to all. We know that not everyone responds, but God's message is to all. God does not want anyone to perish. Too many times our judgment keeps our perspective away from offering to someone else. But God doesn't look at people that way. He does not want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to be separated from the flock. When He looks down at the world today and sees so much division in the body of Christ, so much misunderstanding in the world, and so much unfair judgment from one brother to the next brother and one sister to the next sister. It's got to break his heart. We all are of equal importance to God. Every one of us. He sees us as all lost sheep in need of saving. And yet sometimes when a large part of the flock is doing well and has the support and the camaraderie and the attention of the rest of the flock, 
There are always some who feel extremely isolated and in need of greater care, intentional outreach, and a personal demonstration of love. To Jesus, the life of that one lost sheep matters greatly. It doesn't mean it's any more important than any other sheep, but He knows the importance of going after it immediately and not giving up until He finds it. In fact, aren't you glad He pursued you in that same way that brought you to this? I know where I was. I was not in a good place. I was living for the world and not for God at all. I was so shaming myself and walking in condemnation and I had already given up on myself. But God never did. He came after me. He left the 99 and He came after me and He brought me back into the flock where He called me to be. And too many times when we're in the flock, we forget about those that are lost out there. Or we think it's God's job or the pastor's job. It's our job as the flock. They're part of us. It's the family of God. Luke 15, verse 5. And when He has found it, He lays it on His shoulders, rejoicing. Here we see the faithfulness of God. It is not if He finds it, but rather when He finds that lost sheep. We are never so lost that God can't find us. Or so lost that God gives up looking for us, even if we've given up on ourselves. As our Good Shepherd, He is committed to every one of us. It is His perfect love that continues to seek and to save that which is lost. If this is a shepherd's heart, and our Good Shepherd truly lives in us through the Holy Spirit, then why are we remaining in the flock with the other 99 while the shepherd is off looking for those who are lost? Why are we not making a more deliberate effort to go after the sheep, to go out into the wilderness, to go into the highways and byways and to come after the lost? Why are we not leaving no stone unturned in search of our lost brothers and sisters right now instead of judging them for we think what's wrong? We need to go after them. That's Jesus' heart. That's the heart of a shepherd. Why aren't we shutting down talk of judgment or false accusation of our brothers and sisters who not only need Jesus, but they need all of us in the body of Christ? We need to go after them and stand with them so we can come back together where we belong. I know this may seem like a hard message. We were talking in a Bible study this week in Jeremiah 29 that Jeremiah was a prophet. And God spoke to prophets and He said, I, you need to say this word. And a prophet, it wasn't up to him to say, no, I don't want to say that word. I mean, he could. But the, the 29 says, your word is in me like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I, I grow weary of holding it in. I can't any longer. And prophets understood that the words that they gave were not Jesus loves you. They were very convicting words that they could be killed because of the message. But they couldn't help but share the message of God. I have a burning message to share what God has put on my heart. Because I love God. And I love the family of God as we all do. But we need to step up. We need to be that voice out there that's louder than the media. We need to be that voice. We need to go after people and stand with them. Just as the 99 were incomplete and left to remain in the wilderness, we are incomplete without our brothers and sisters who are right now in need of our prayers and our love and our actions to reconcile the family of God. Listen, they don't need us to simply ride an emotional wave 
until it dies down. They don't need us to temporarily kneel with them. They need us to stand with them and to stay with them and commit to be by their side and to remain humble and to place their needs above ours and to trust God that He will keep us together. I told you last week that God put on me on my heart to contact a black church. I contacted and met with the pastor on Monday. And they were doing a food drive. They were giving away fruits and vegetables. And so I went to Williams Cheese Company, my family business. I bought a bunch of cheese and I delivered cheese to them. Because if Casey didn't know this, there was a young man that was once delivering cheese. And God called upon him to defeat Goliath. His name was David. And so I figured I'm going to deliver cheese and I'm also going to deliver not a message, but my attention that I wanted to hear, hear them. So I met with this fantastic man of God. Very gentle. I said, What's, what, what do we need to do? And he, he said, we, we need to get to the Word. He didn't pick one side or the other. He said, we need to get to the Word. We need to be courageous to go in the Word. We need, we, we need to press in and pray to God. And, and, and he shared with me his heart and it was... It was so different from what the media portrays. It was He was just like, He is just like one of us. Too many times we let the media and the politics declare the narrative how we look at people. And it's wrong, church. It is. It is. They are our brothers and our sisters and they want to stand with us. And they said, well, he said one of the things that's troubling, he said, even though people are jumping on board, he said, what's happened many times over history is people ride a wave of emotion. And they get joined up, and as soon as the emotion goes down, they feel good about themselves, and they go back. Uh, and, and we need to be, as a church, we need to commit to stay, not just ride the emotion, but to stand with them, and to stay with them. And so as we talked, he said, I believe God has sent you here. I'm going to commit to meeting with you once a month. In fact, next time I want to come up to Ross Common and meet with you up there. I think God is doing things as He sees us being open to go after people. Not out of lip service, not out of what's popular, but to follow God. Would you be courageous enough to follow God if He calls you to do something? Because what's at stake is the body of Christ. That is what God is calling us to do. Luke 15, verse 6. Did I already say this? <laughs> okay. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. You see, the problem is that for too long, the 99, as the 99, we have been rejoicing with the faithfulness of our God, even while the one is still out there lost. Brothers and sisters, we are not yet complete. We need God to convict our mindset, to redirect our perspective, to change us so that we lead with a shepherd's heart. Luke 15, verse 7. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Every one of us is lost without Jesus. Let us not get so smug or confident in our position of grace that we forget that those members of our flock which long be part of the fold with everyone are out there right now. We need to, they are praying right now for Jesus to restore them and bring them back into the fold. 
The truth is that we never know what circumstances in life may lead us at any time to be separated from the flock. We all need to practice daily repentance to keep our hearts tender before God so He can continue to mold us and to shape us into what He has called us to be. But the story does not end there with Jesus. As He continues teaching by going right into another parable that is related, it's not a separate teaching. It answers the same question on the same topic. Luke 15, verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? We see here a different element as Jesus goes from describing a lost sheep in the wilderness to now describing a lost coin in the house. It's important for us to note here the significance of the house. In the Old Testament, when people sought the presence of the Lord, they would go to the temple and offer sacrifices unto Him. Yet in the New Testament, after Jesus made a way for us to access Him through the blood of the cross, we now have a new temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You see, your body, my body, your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. A dwelling place for God Himself to live inside of you. Therefore, when we see this parable of a woman lighting a lamp and sweeping the house and searching carefully, we are reminded to do a thorough search of our houses, of our temples. The fact that she lit a lamp corresponds to our need for another light besides our own. Another light source to help us with this search. This additional light source, light source is the Holy Spirit who shines His light of truth into our hearts, leading us on a fact-finding mission to thoroughly examine our lives, our motives, and our actions. You see, the reason why others are separated from us is not always because they left on their own. So the enemy will tell you. Sometimes, sometimes, they left because there is something in us that drove them away or continues to keep them away whether we realize it or not. Thus, this next parable focuses on a woman who searches her own house. Only a mature, authentic Christian is willing to search her own house to see if there is something in her that caused the one to be lost or, or to stay lost. How about you? Are you willing to bear your heart before God alone and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate your mind, to challenge your perspective, to examine your motives, to shine a light upon any, any personal bias you may have? I will tell you that very few people are willing to do this faithfully. It is a place of complete trust that God will not shame you, but will help you to cleanse your temple to change your perspective, to do whatever is necessary so that this lost coin of great value will be found. Luke 15, verse 9. And when she has found it, again, when, not if, when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which was lost. How many know that peace seems to be lost right now? God is saying, are you willing to do a thorough search so that that peace can be restored? Luke 15, verse 9. 
And when she has found it, she calls her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. I have found this peace, this peace which was lost. This, listen, this is a prophetic calling of coming together, to rejoice when the flock is together, when all the coins are back in the treasury, and when the body of Christ is one. After all, this will be the ultimate culmination of Jesus' plan. Listen, I'm not just saying this to try to pump up unity. Do you understand this was Jesus' plan? Do you understand that there's still one prayer that Jesus prayed that has not been fully answered? John 17, verse 20. Jesus is about to go to the cross, about to be arrested into Gethsemane and betrayed and tortured. And He lays his heart, his heart out as He prays to God. John 17, verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but for also for those who will believe in Me through their word. Understand that right before Jesus went to the cross, He was praying for you. He was praying for you. He was praying for all of us at that moment. Verse 21, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in Me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent Me. Verse 22, and the glory which you gave Me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. How is the world going to know about Jesus when the body of Christ comes together? When we go after our brothers and sisters who are lost. When we leave our comfort places and go into areas and have and are led by the heart of our shepherd. When we can truly receive and extend to give the love of Jesus to all of our brothers and sisters, wherever they may be, we will one day see Jesus' prayer be answered. And He will use us to do so. What an amazing opportunity we have. It's up to each one of us to choose who will shepherd us at this moment in time. Would you be bold enough to silence the narrative of the political and the media voices so that you may be led by the Holy Spirit from repentance to reconciliation? Would you be bold enough to declare, change my heart, O God. Begin with me. Lord God, I, I know I need to change. I know You're faithful to complete the work in me. That means there's parts of me that needs to change. But God, begin with me. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May I be like You. That is our desire. To become more and more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it pierces us. That it stirs us. That it doesn't leave us the same. We don't want to be the same. We want to be more like Jesus. But help us to be bold enough to come to You expected to be corrected, expected to be redirected to become more like You. In this moment of time as we enter this song of reflection, God, speak to our hearts. Let's be bold to come to You.